for a moment. I thought John Malloy was in the building. <laughs> but once again, what a beautiful song. It, it just, it, you know, it's, it, it's hard to follow that. <laughs> and then, of course, uh, Ira's devotional this morning, um, it just confirmed that we're done. So, see you next week. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, welcome to Avalon Church. My name is William, and I serve God, uh, our awesome God, at, as the uh, Spanish pastor um, for the uh, Ministerio Hispano, Avalon Church. We meet here every Sunday at 1.15, so if you want to brush up on your Spanish, great opportunity. You're all invited. Um, I cannot uh, promise you about the Spanish music. We start dancing, it's a party. So, oh my goodness. Um, it, is, it really is a privilege. Um, and uh, exciting to be able to share the word um, with you this morning. Um, I'm hoping that I can remember how to speak English, so we'll, you know, just bear with me. It, it's, and especially during this time, this message, uh, this, um, this morning, I'm still thinking afternoon, this morning, um, I asked God to please, please um, minister during this time so I can prepare and be able to deliver His word straight from his heart to the hearts of everybody here uh, today. So if you're here today, that's because God wanted you to hear this message. Um, the event, the events on the past three weeks, as we have mentioned, um, have been enough to make anyone test and even question their faith. Between national disasters, family emergencies, and senseless killings, one could easily become saddened, worried, and even discouraged. Personally, I wanted to check out. We've been working hard in Spanish ministry trying to get in touch with churches in Puerto Rico, trying to find out where our loved ones are. Even until yesterday, we were able to finally get in touch with somebody who was missing in action. And I praise God for that. It's been a trying time. We lost power, my, my family, we lost power for like 23 hours. The light came on and we started joyfully singing. Only to get a phone call an hour later saying that my grandmother had passed away. I couldn't go to Ecuador. There was no flights available. The airports were closed. My passport was expired. I really wanted to throw in the towel. Say, waiter, check please. We become discouraged. And by definition, discouraged means a lack or, or loss of confidence or enthusiasm. Dispiritness, says Western Dictionary. And it can happen to us all too easily and all too frequently. This is not something new. We have been here before. But maybe this time is a little bit different. Too large of a discouragement. Too big of a disappointment. Maybe too limited in resources. Or maybe just too many obstacles or critics. Can we all relate? One time or another in our lives, we will have to deal with discouragement. 
Some of us here right now at this moment, perhaps having to deal with some sort of level of disappointment. Things did not go as planned. Or maybe your expectations and your results are very different. We were not expecting this season at all. We think or know that we are doing the right thing. But we become discouraged due to having too many critics or way too many obstacles. For the young people here, we studied so hard for a test. Even give up precious video games and Snapchatting hours to prepare only to get the test back and say it's a C. A C, supposed to be an A. Discouragement. We invest in a great workout program. This is the one. This is the one that's going to make me look like the Hulk. Or Ira. You even go vegan and gluten-free for what seems to be an eternity. Only to step on that scale and see that the numbers only went down by two. <laughs> Discouragement. Or how about in your professional life? You work on this project, the one that's going to get you noticed by the executives. Work late nights, give up some date nights with your spouse, miss the kids' soccer games, only to be passed off for the promotion because the boss was not impressed. Discouragement. Say with me, discouragement. So church family, what do we do? What should we do? How should we react to this? And this week as we continue our study on the book of Nehemiah, and by God's mercy, His grace, and perfect timing, we are going to be taught a valuable lesson of integrity, commitment, laser focus commitment, and perseverance. Even through the storms, even through the doubts, even through the attacks, even through those moments of discouragement. So please join me as we open their Bibles or turn them on. We're going to go to the chap chapter 4 of Nehemiah. One of the most powerful 23 verses in this whole book, personally. I will confide with you in this morning. When that when life throws me a curveball, this is one of the chapters that I like to refer to over and over again. We find Nehemiah and his team are quite busy, building, busy with the task of rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem. And they are quickly hit with five debilitating and discouraging questions that he could have heard. It says in verse 1, chapter 4, when Sambalat, great name by the way, heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews. And in verse 2 it says, in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he finished, he, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? See, it wasn't enough to say Jews. They had to say feeble, which means weak. Will they restore the wall? Will they offer sacrifice? See, in the Jewish tradition, you offer sacrifice when the task is completed. Will they finish in a day? Notice the sarcasm there. This is not a task for one day. Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble? Burn as they are. He's trying to give them a reality check. There was sarcasm, criticism, poking fun, 
and trying to install doubt in the minds of Nehemiah and the laborers while laughing at them and in front of a distinguished group. It says right there, it says, and in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria. And if this wasn't enough, verse 3, we read that Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, why are they building? What, what they are building? Even a fox climbing on, on it will break down the walls of stones. Allow me to make a parenthesis right here. The average weight of a fox is about 4.9 to 31 pounds. I never carry one, but Google says it is, so I'm going to go with that. <laughs> this smart Alec remark was trying to indicate that it would not take much to knock down the work of Nehemiah, or should I say those feeble Jews. Historians say that the wall of Nehemiah was approximately nine feet thick. Not your average wall. But facing these words of discouragement, criticism, not being valued or not being capable, feeling capable, Nehemiah could have easily said, you know what? They're right. What am I doing here? I have no business leading this with these people. They're not even professional laborers or builders. He could have easily said, wait a check, please, and just checked out. However, we see that Instead of Nehemiah feeling that way, choosing to feel that way, in his moment of doubt, in his moment of weakness, he does one thing. Verse 4, he says, Hear us, our God, for we are despised. The first thing that he does is turn to God. He prays, and he keeps on going and says, Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over a plunder in the land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out the sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. This is an honest prayer, unselfish. Also displays a sense of vulnerability. He is saying, deliver us from our enemies. And God, being a merciful God, not only hears the prayer, but he gives them the strength that they need to carry on. Church family, we serve an awesome God. And when you serve God with what you have, he will give you what you need. And what they needed at that moment was unity and commitment. Commitment of the people. It needed to be evident. And it was. So God rewarded them with renewed strength. Can we say amen? We serve an amazing God. And of course, the enemy does not like this. He doesn't like, they, they, they don't want to see the, God's people prosper. So we go to verse 7 to 14, and he says right there, But when Sambalat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the people of Ashur heard that the repairs of Jerusalem's walls have gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. And they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. See, the enemy does not want God's people to prosper. He wants them to be discouraged. He wants them to give up. But the people prayed. 
See, prayer is not something religious people do. Prayer is something that believers need to do. Can I preach this this morning? Too many times we think, I tried all options, might as well just pray when it should be. I pray and then I look for my options. The enemy wants to keep the Jewish people overpowered. They did not want the best for the people, only the best for themselves. Bullies. Bullies usually are trying to make themselves more valuable by stepping over people, putting them down, degrading them. The enemy needed to come at them with all of the might to have a chance to defeat them. And their might was the weapon known as discouragement. Discouragement is the enemy's favorite weapon. See, discouragement usually happens, it's usually inflicted on believers just after experiencing a spiritual high. We go to a men's retreat, passion conference, ladies' activity, church service, and we come out walking on air. We wore the Christian flag as a cape. We start looking for dead people so that way we can raise them up. And bam, something happens. Discouragement sets in. See, discouragement is the period between that spiritual high and the time when your blessing is about to come. If we easily become discouraged, you're not going to see that blessing. The enemy does not want you to see that blessing. So he'll try his best at discouraging you. And if we surrender... If we surrender to the spirit of discouragement, it will rob you of every ounce of hope. And we'll start seeing things, or you start seeing yourself as the enemy wants you to, instead of the champion that God knows that you are. We continue in verse 9. Verse 9 says, but we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. They prayed and acted. They prayed and prepared. Day and night. Not just one hour or two hours on a Sunday. Day and night. As long as the day, if Monday has a day and night, then you do so Monday, day and night. As long as a Friday has day and night, you do so on a Friday, day and night. We're not supposed to be waiting for a Sunday to be praying and preparing. Colossians 4.2 says, continue and earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it. Nehemiah encouraged himself and his team by praying and being vigilant, paying attention, being intentional. Taking action. God gave them the encouragement they needed to keep working and building. Church family, God will do the same for you. God will do the same for you. But you need to do what? Pray and prepare. You have to pray and act. You have to pray and work. And even when the people of Israel had reached a point of physical and mental exhaustion, they worked with all of their hearts. They did not allow the insults of the enemy. 
and the rubble in front of them to make them lose sight of the vision of a restored Jerusalem. Nehemiah told him in verse 14, and I want everybody to, to read that part with me. I don't want it just to be my voice because sometimes we need to actually hear our own voice. Nehemiah 4.14. And if you're ready, if you have it, say amen. Okay, so I want everybody to read. After I looked things over, I stood up. Let's say okay, the rest of the people. Right there, what it says? Do not, do not be afraid. Do not fear. That sounds familiar. Do not fear. Remember, he keeps saying, remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight. Fight for your families. Fight for your sons and daughters. Fight for your wives. Fight for your homes. Church family, it's not only enough that we pray. We also need to fight. Ira mentioned it. We're in a spiritual warfare right now. We're in a time that things are happening in the world that we don't understand why. We focus too much on trying to understand why when we need to understand that Christ is coming. He said he would. He promised it. I'm praying that we are prepared for that day. In fight they did. With all of their, it says, with one hand, in verse 17, it says, they did their work with one hand and held a weapon with the other. I can just imagine they're laying the bricks and having the sword. Laying the bricks and having the sword. Sometimes you had to wear two hats. Sometimes you had to multitask. You had to continue to labor and protect themselves. You, me, we, here, need to follow this example when we experience that, those moments of doubt. We fight best on our knees. And we keep working at the task that we have been called to do. It'll be serving at a church, serving in the community, serving with a mission, or serving during a mission. We continue we persevere in God. Can I get an amen? See, serving each other, serving God's house, could be a big task. Take us out of the comfort zone. Later on, we're going to be praying for the, the mission team that's going to Mexico. That is out of the comfort zone for a lot of them going. Verse 19 says, very clear, then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the war is extensive and spread out, and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. Meaning, sometimes it feels like you are in it alone. Or worse, that no one cares. Or you're not making a difference. Discouragement. Leaders often feel this. Hey, we got to go and serve over here. Great, everybody, people, 20 people signed up. We'll be there at 7 a.m. Yes, power of God, 7 a.m. 7.15 comes, two people. 7.30, three people. Leaders become discouraged. Parents, we often feel discouraged. How many times have I told to clean that room? Anybody can relate? You come back half an hour later and they're still in bed, Snapchatting, texting, about cleaning the room, which they haven't done yet. <laughs> Discouragement. 
Teachers, oh my goodness, I pray so hard for teachers. Especially in high school. Because <laughs> I know the kind of student I was in high school, so I pray for those teachers. You invest your time and your effort so everybody can get an A. And then you see C's, D's, F's. And yes, pastors. Pastors do become discouraged as well. But the main difference, the main difference between those who quit and those who succeed is commitment and strength to keep going. Commitment and strength. Say it with me. Commitment and strength. The book of Isaiah says, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. But you have to hope in the Lord. Church family, my advice is, don't be discouraged by the size of your opposition. Don't be discouraged by the size of the task at hand. Don't be discouraged by the size of your storm. Let us not focus on the size of your problem. Instead, focus on the size of your God. We serve a, a God that is powerful and mighty, merciful. How many know this today? If you didn't, now you know. And I'm going to conclude with this. We will all face discouragement. As much as I love you, as much as I, I love my daughter, as much as I love my wife, we will all face discouragement. I cannot feel that discouragement for you. I can be with you. But we will all do that. We will all feel it at one point or another. The good thing is that God knows that. God knows your discouragement. And he wants to empower you. So when you take your time and come to him in prayer, he will give you that strength. He will give you that way out. We need to keep moving forward. And keep doing the work that God has called for us to do. Prayer is your first recourse, not your last resort. God will provide you the courage needed to overcome that moment of discouragement. So when he shows his ugly head, ugly face right there telling you to give up, you can stand in authority and say, I am a son of God. I am a daughter of the almighty God. I have God's power in me. Why? Because Christ lives in me. And greater is he who lives in me than he who lives in the world. That alone should excite you. That alone should give you uh, um, a little enthusiasm to keep forward, to keep going, to keep being renewed. Seek God in prayer, and your strength will be renewed. Your spirit will be lifted, and he will. He will show you his promises and plans that he has for you. Amen? We need to hear this word today. We need to hear this kind of word today. We need to be able to share this kind of word today. There's a lot of people out there suffering. There's a lot of people out there who have lost everything. There's a lot of people out there who have lost everything and, and wish that they had lost their lives as well because they don't know how to go forward. God has called us to be that encouragement. God has called us to be that Nehemiah for those people. Whether it's to friends and families, 
neighbors in Puerto Rico, Mexico, Las Vegas. We are called to be ambassadors of the gospel. That is our responsibility. And I will give you this last verse. If you remember anything to, from today, if you remember anything from, if you're to remember anything from this, this message, from this word, it's Galatians 6, 9. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to Galatians 6, 9. This verse, you should read it today. Own it. Share it. Live it. Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not, be, as a matter of fact, I want everybody to, to read it. Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, if we do not give up. Church family, we cannot afford to give up because the rewards are coming. It's written in the Word. But how are you ever going to experience them? How are you ever going to receive the blessings if you just go halfway and give up? God has not given up on you. So don't you give up on yourself. We serve an awesome God. A mighty God. Amen? Come with me in prayer. Join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we love you. We exalt your holy name. We thank you for this word. We ask that this word grows a, a, a root in our hearts. We ask right now for courage, not only to live it, to apply it, but also to share it. And that way we can glorify you and show the Christ that lives in us. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone in agreement says amen.